exponential thinking is impossible for us to even wrap our heads around. Probabilistic thinking is even worse. And so if you don't tell me the story, I'm going to tell myself the story. And so as an innovator, it's your job to really be good at storytelling. But once you enter the realm of storytelling, you're now competing with charlatans and con men. And so it's up to you to kind of decide how, how, you, want, how you want to practice. Welcome to the Innovation Metrics Podcast, where we bring you the latest on innovation management. We provide insights on how to measure innovation, innovation accounting, and managing the uncertain process of developing new, sustainable, and profitable business models. You can find links to the main topics covered in this episode and information about the guests and hosts in the show notes, or go to our blog on innovationmetrics.co. Your host is Aaliyah Islet. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Tendai Vicky on the show. Tendai authored three fantastic books, The Corporate Startup, The Product Lifecycle, and his latest book is called Pirates in the Navy. Tendai is an associated partner of Strategizer. I think Tendai is one of the great innovation coaches and ecosystem builders of our time. Welcome, Tendai. Thanks, Ilya. Thank you for having me on the show. So I'm pretty sure I, that was a very incomplete overview of your professional life. I'm really happy for you. May you tell us a little bit more how you got where you are today. Make it as long or as short as you like. Give us some more insights about you. Yeah, I mean, I kind of fumbled my way to where I am today. Right? It was not, it was not intended. What I intended to be was an academic that teaches at university and does a bit of consulting on the side. So I did a PhD in psychology at the University of Kent. Ended up teaching there. I think in the U.S. they call it like assistant professor, associate professor. In the U.S., uh-huh. yeah, okay. Hey, they call it lecturer. You know, you know, worked, worked, kind of worked my way. I did that for twelve years, but I was kind of frustrated a little bit, mostly by the income because <laughs> it didn't get paid that well. And you know, as a father of three young boys, now I, I was feeling a lot of pressure there. So I started doing a little bit of consulting on the side, and then I ended up going to. Stanford University for a fellowship. And that's what got me kind of into startups, technology, innovation. While I was right. there, like I was, I was, I was, I was seduced for the, by the environment. Right. And yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I made the transition away from academia over like the next two to three years. And so, yeah, that's how I end up where I am today. Right. Yeah. Quite a few people who push the, ba- the boundaries currently have a bit of a uh, not so straight story. And I guess there's no straight story, right? For it's not something that you over the last 20 years were like, okay, I can study this. Like, you know, probably with all the new methods coming up and the ones that you're certainly describing, it was not really an option, right? So it's probably not that big of a surprise, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean the the entry, the entry to startups most recently has been learning to code. Uh-huh, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That's been like the, the clearest path. Like a lot of people learn how to code and then they start a tech startup, right? Mm. But for those of us that are like, I don't, I have never written a single line of code. Like how do you get into technology and innovation from our standpoint? I guess you could do venture capital, maybe do a business degree. But again, in the business degrees, you won't learn. Right. Business model design, value proposition design, design thinking, 
I guess if you wanted to be a designer, you could go to the design school at Stanford mm. that was set up by the by the IDEO guys, and mm. you could learn design there. But you know, beyond that, there wasn't really a career. There's no real career path to end up doing what I'm doing. Like there, there was no profession called corporate right. entrepreneur. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Right. A master's in corporate entrepreneurship or something like that. Right. Yeah. Which is they've started popping up now, but mm. they were, but they were rare. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, so when we when we spoke last week and briefly, um, there was a we had a few ideas around what we want to talk about. So I thought about that a bit further. And if you don't mind, I I stumble my way right now to a question for a moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> slightly, it's, it's usually what I do. It's usually what I do. But now I'm just making okay. it explicit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's actually a and, book called Stumbling on to Happiness, by the way. You should check it out. That would be nice for a change. And so we <laughs> <laughs> okay. so we so so partly it is because I'm not actually 100 percent clear, right, on, on this on this topic. So that's why we'll extra stumble. And so it's around storytelling or the the role of storytelling in innovation management, right? You're arguably a great storyteller, and I appreciate the stories you tell, right? Um, recently, you draw you you draw a great uh, sort of mental pictures, like building an app as 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 an output for of of your innovation effort, of corporate innovation effort, can be at least like uh, playing music on the Titanic, or maybe a new song. I don't know. Like I really, oh yeah, that's nice, right? That's that captures it really nicely, right? So there's a lot of value in that story for example but i guess there's another side as well so on, on, on one hand we have <clears throat> really the positive aspects of a story which is that's simply enjoyable like a story is simply something i, I just enjoy and period that's the value right that that's it or it triggers things in me and so on but let's not go there too much uh, <laughs> so the the other part is that it helps us learning or memorizing i suppose and you probably would know a lot more than me as a psychology dropout. And then on the topic of psychology, you, you use it to change behavior, right? You, so you tell a story and, and you influence people and you influence ultimately behavior. And in the innovation context, it would be, for example, to uh, secure resources, right? So you get funding, right? It's part of, it's big part, big part of it often. Yeah. But that's probably where the issue starts because what's a good and what's a bad story. And in a, in a system where... Sorry, everybody. This is going to go on for a little bit longer. So, in a, in a system where, you know, pitches are needed, and so we, one could assume that subsequently the best storyteller wins, not the best idea. And in an environment where 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 uh, projects or ventures are funded for, you know, from idea to scale or something like that, that leaves very few chances. So you have bad selection potentially, and then you have very few chances to go through these bad selections or potentially bad selections, right? Maybe all of that is emphasized even more. I think storytelling or, or strong opinions and all that other stuff is always important, like always influences. But in a very data-poor environment, may this not be extra dangerous or not? So if I form a question here, I'm sure you have like 50 things you could say right now, <laughs> but if I be fair and form a question, Where's the middle ground, right? So how should we use stories appropriately and where should we not use stories? Could we explore that a bit? Do you have yeah, thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I think it's a really powerful question that you're asking. So there is, so, so storytelling is, is human. It is yeah. how humans learn lessons. <clears throat> it is how human beings master things. Um, it is how elections are won. <laughs> it is how elections are lost. It is how relationships and friendships are built. Yeah. It is there's something in the in the human brain. It's almost like a like a like a puzzle. Like one or like our brain is like one half of the puzzle. And the other half is stories coming in and it just sort of clicks in. And it just resonates, right? Uh, it's a really great book by Nancy Duarte called Resonate, which is really about how to to, to tell visual stories. Um, if you read Alex Oswald's books, it's it's about visual storytelling. Because again, storytelling is what storytelling resonates. And the best kind of stories are stories that we can recognize ourselves in. If we resonate with the protagonists and the antagonists in the story, right. yeah. and the conflicts and the challenges that they're facing, yeah. then then um, then that makes it easier for us to sort of connect with that story. Now, the problem <laughs> that you're highlighting is that because stories resonate so so much, it's easy to be conned, right? So if I'm running a con, the best way to run a con is to tell a good story yeah. that I know will resonate with the person, right? And in an environment where innovators are having to pitch their ideas to get funding or mm. startup entrepreneurs are having to convince investors to invest in, the, in, in, in their startups, the best storytellers are always going to win. Right. So this is... <clears throat> So this is a universal truth, Elliot, right? Which is the best storytellers will always win. It, the good stories are irresistible. It's like the human mind's kryptonite. Okay. And so the question on deck then becomes, how do we create an environment, a business environment, in which the storytelling is 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 constrained yeah but but the constraints extract stories that are more truthful than not so what happens with the innovation metrics and with an innovation metrics enthusiast is that they will stand from leaders and, and go I ran this experiment and we de-risked by this much. Yeah, yeah. Don't believe it. Why? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Monte Carlo. Oh, Monte Carlo simulation shows. Uh, yeah, yeah. Simulation shows. 99.99%. Whatever it is. Right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I mean, you can see you're killing yourself there because you've probably done that. <laughs> and so that is, <clears throat> that is, I'm not just not trying to laugh too too loud. Yeah. Yeah. That is truthful. Like you tell the truth, you're being factual, but facts are less interesting than stories. And people forget facts. And when people are trying to make decisions, they make decisions on things that emotionally resonate. Right. Uh, Because again, 
no matter what the Monte Carlo simulation says, it is still a leap of faith. Innovation, entrepreneurship. Right? It is still a leap of faith. No. Okay. Yes. Contradict me. It is. It is. Your well, face is saying you're I'm wrong. <laughs> right. So okay. let's, well, so I'm let's, not a psychologist. So, okay. So um, no, no. Yes. So let's so let's, so let's <laughs> no, debate no, it. Right? I think no, you, you I know, think that'll make the podcast more fun, more, okay, more no, fun. Think, right. So yeah, let's, yeah, let's okay. debate it. Yeah. Who thought, who thought I would disagree with Tendai on my own podcast? So we have. So we have a. To a degree, uh, no, sorry, <clears throat> no, because, or yes, but the the degree of uncertainty is quantified. So you do take a very measured leap of faith. Is that even a leap of faith then? It's absolutely a leap of faith. So here's the one thing that I know for sure, for sure, for sure. A hundred percent for sure. The reason why social science researchers are forced to report probabilities for their statistics is because they're supposed to report the likelihood that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Even though we interpret those results to say they're right, it's been proven. Okay. In scientific, in, in scientific terms, what you're trying to do is report the likelihood that you're wrong. And I, I used to write a lot of those papers. Okay. Yeah. And you and you would tell a story of what you want, of what you think you found, but then you would indicate the likelihood that you're wrong. And not only that, but when you're in your when you're discussing in your conclusions, you have to say like all the problems that you had in the experiment that you ran. Sure. You report the experiment design appropriately and yeah. Because it's supposed yes. to be a repeatable process and and yes. and you and you report on the potential errors. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But that's what now, we're trying to a nuclear physicist would slap us if we claimed that what we ran were experiments. Okay. Yes. 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 They right. say it's we, not they, even they, they, they say it's not even science. It's not even science. Right. Granted. Okay. Right. So the Monte Carlo simulation is only as valid as the inputs that went into it. Yes. Yes. But Yes. What happens if the, if to, the variables to, are wacky and 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 the estimator is not calibrated and and the and the estimations are completely unreasonable? I agree. Yes, but here's the thing: the variables are always wacky. Okay. Always wacky. They're always permanently wacky because we're measuring human behavior. Yeah, no, Entrepre no. entrepreneurship startups buying selling thing. Now, if it's like making bets at the casino, okay. But if we're using these methodologies to try and predict what human beings are going to do with a product and the likelihood of selling a product or the likelihood of signing up and staying on and, 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 and things like that, then the variables, the inputs are often wacky. And so... so yeah, so I, I'm not sure if that's, I don't know, I'm not sure if that's right. So I, I'm pretty sure that um, certain variables are, um, there may be too many or not enough um, <clears throat> in there. Uh, but when it comes to, if somebody is calibrated and they're in their ability to estimate, um, then then they, and say not, my 95% uh, confidence interval, as we say, is X, then 95% of the time that is correct. 
meaning the human, the behavior is people will buy my product for this price, for example, right? So to that degree, I don't know if, to that degree, I don't know if I agree, but maybe to, to come well, I don't no, know what you mean on. by. So, oh, I don't. Oh, I don't know what you mean by. Is that? Yeah, it's it's funny, Tendai. It's 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 a funny situation for me, right? You know, I like I've, I, you know, I anyway. To, no, to, no, no, to no, argue with you. I, I go best. ahead. I go ahead. No, no, I go best. ahead. So, so, Look, this is this is the best. Don't hesitate. Let's just have the conversation okay, because. Okay, let's go. Let's yeah, go. let's just have the conversation because what so it that's will exactly do is... the so that's exactly the idea that with with yeah. you know if you have if you fund twenty projects and it's probably statistically a bit more. But let's say, you know, you're 95% of the time, you're right that something is within a certain boundary of outcome, right? <clears throat> then 19 out of the 20 projects you're currently funding, you know exactly. So one of them will be out of the range. So what was our initial sort of, what was the axiom for this was that we, we um, is it a leap of faith investment? Um, it is a leap of faith on a project basis, because the, the question you asked me wasn't storytelling from a portfolio level. The question you asked me was storytelling on a pitch level. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at the whole portfolio, of course, that's the whole point. Some of right. the stuff will be successful, some of the stuff won't. That's kind of like, that's why we make okay. multiple bets. That's why we make the multiple bets with the admission that even with our simulation, we'll be, we'll be right when we think we're wrong and wrong when we think we're right. Okay, right? so then, then the thing I would need to challenge right now, or we would need to challenge is, so, so if you say it's still a gut, it's still a, what, what do you say? Like a leap a gut, of faith. No, 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 it's, it's a leap of faith. All right. Maybe I don't know exactly what a leap of faith is, but then the, but the question becomes, to what to what degree or to what degree is it different from not using that method? Is that maybe the question? Oh no, no. Ask? no. Yes, but 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 we need to make an important distinction earlier, which I think really really matters. The reason so there's two stories I want to tell you that are yeah. Are really I was important. just about to say like I don't have very good stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the two stories I want to tell you are very important. When I when I was a social scientist, you're not allowed to report the average score without reporting the variance. Okay. And the reason is that the variance is a measure of error in measurement. So you say, here's the average that we found, and here's the variance, how much the numbers vary around that mean. The more variance you have, the more noise you have in that measure. Even if the mean is large and it's showing you that you're directionally correct, the variance is a measure of error. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so those papers get published because we've got the measures of variance and everything and statistically significant and, and that's fair. And the scientist will build their career on that. Right. And then one day, some young PhD researcher will look at that paper and go, hold on a minute. They didn't think about this. And then they'll run an experiment with the thing that they didn't think about. And the results will shift. And do you know what will happen? That scientists will go to the grave refusing to accept the young PhD's results. 
And there's a, the history is packed full of people like that. Newton was refusing to accept this person's results that challenged his previous results. This person was refusing. And these are people that are running pure science method. They're not doing A-B testing on unbounds. Right. <laughs> They're doing actual <laughs> lab stuff. <laughs> okay. And they, and, and, and they get it wrong. So I just want to leave you with that, with that there, which is to say that measuring, measuring something is not the same thing as getting the right results. Because when you measure things, there's always noise. And this is when you measure physical objects. Now, when you measure something that knows it's being measured and has emotional thoughts about how it's being measured, like a human being, the error increases. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Now, yeah. now with, a, with, with an aggregation of data, you end up indirectly correct. Mm-hmm. But the reason why we make multiple bets in a portfolio mm-hmm. is because we know that on a overall portfolio basis, there'll be good ideas that we thought sucked mm-hmm. and bad ideas that we thought were good. Mm-hmm. So directionally, after we do our math and we gather all the evidence, we'll be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll end up with a successful portfolio. And at a certain point, with a certain amount of evidence, we'll, we'll, our confidence in, it increases over time. Which is a different, but the reason why we do that is because it's hard to make one large bet on one large innovation project by itself. And that's what the pitch person with the story is trying to convince the leaders to do. They're trying to say, I've got the best idea. Forget right. about everything else. Right. Right. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. And that's and that's the and that's where storytelling is dangerous. Storytelling is never dangerous at a portfolio level because there's like 20 projects in there. But it's dangerous when you zoom in on a singular individual project. But you're saying it's never start- dangerous. But in no, the selection, of, but in the in, on a portfolio level, but but you still have to like the <clears throat> if you if you increase your ability to 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 select projects with a with a higher probability <clears throat> of a positive outcome or impact, then that matters clearly, doesn't it? Yeah, no, no, that does. But the question becomes: How do you get convicted that something has a higher probability of, of of success? Do you get convicted on the basis of 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 just pure data? Well, <clears throat> you mean in an ideal world? <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> there is no ideal world. Talk about right now, That's that's really the question. That's really the question. I I feel like we. So my thesis is that because it's everything is so data poor, and we're not, and that little bit of data that we have, we don't know how to handle because if you plug it into traditional tools or methods um, like traditional accounting or forecasting methods, they're pretty worthless. So might as well throw them away kind of thing, right? And so because everything is so inherently data poor, so for for things that create exponential value or potentially create exponential value, uh, this is sort of the void we're filling. And that's my thesis with even more emotions and rightly so, or stories. And rightly so, because like, how the hell would you ever, traditionally speaking, get any type of funding off the ground? It's not like you're talking to people who, who have, you know, <clears throat> yes, you know, yeah, they're clever people to, you know, and, and 
And so I think yeah. that's I think that's sort of the game. And now I wonder, do I overemphasize on the potential negative aspect of it? And where do I need to calibrate? Right? And like where is the positive fit? How does this fit together? Because like I think what I like the what I really like is the fact that, hey Leah, forget about it, what I just heard. Forget about the fact that that will never play a role. It will always override. Yes, and if you don't, and it, storytelling. Yeah, and if you don't provide the story, I'll make it up. You give me the data, I'll make up the story. That's just the way the human mind works. Hmm. Right, and so let's go back to after the discussion. Right, your first question, which is, what's the middle ground? Yeah, because I'm a hundred percent with you. Like. A hundred percent with you mm. that investment decisions should be based on the evidence. It should be based on whatever minimal data points we have about whether or not the assumptions we're making about this innovation project or this startup being successful uh, is it directionally correct? And most of the time, it's directionally correct, especially in the early stages. But whatever evidence we have, we should be basing our our, our decisions on. And so, what we say. When, 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 when we're working with teams, when I'm working with, with, with companies is, do not allow storytelling that doesn't follow this format. Okay. Right. Here's what we believe. So step one, here's what we believe is happening in the world. And here's our vision of how we want to make a dent in that world. Um, we then, and here's why it's breakthrough and why it's interesting. But here are all the things that would actually have to be true for this thing to be successful, right? And of all these things that have to be true for this crazy idea we have to be successful, we only have evidence that these three things are true and we don't have evidence that these other five things are true. And so what we're looking for is funding to go and explore whether these remaining five things are true. Now, the funding you're giving us to go and explore whether these remaining five things are true is a leap of faith because we might actually find out that those other five things are not true. Right. And then we will have to either scrap the idea or change direction. Okay. So I've created a template. It's a kind of a four box template where we go the idea kind of in the middle, all the work we've done so far to work on the idea and what we've learned right? What we still don't know and what we plan to do next. Yeah, we'd be linking to that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the store. And that's the, that's the format for telling the story. Okay. And that's what a Monte Carlo simulation would try to quantify. Like, because right. you said yes. that's true. And as you know, better than me, it's true to a degree until another scientist comes along and debunks that or until a different need comes along and another product, another competitor and COVID and so on. Right. So it's, it's true to a degree. Right. And so that's where yes. I would, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, no, absolutely. Yeah. The concept of innovation as a, as a, as a, as a wicked problem, is a good thinking framework, right. Which is with wicked problems, there's no definitive solution. Yeah. What's a wicked problem. It's a it's a it's a term that was coined by 
it's a paper that you I heard it, but I don't really know what a wicked problem is to be honest. Like, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's different from a hard problem. A, a, a wicked problem is when all the variables are unknown and when you try and move one variable, it inadvertently impacts the other invisible variables. Oh, okay, making it right, making it impossible, right, for you to reach a definitive solution. And so uh, the, these guys, the, the city and town planners, they wrote this paper, and they were talking about how town planning uh, right. in cities and, and different right. environments and, and, and right. kind of <clears throat> social policy is a yeah. wicked problem. Which yeah, is nice. you try to do something, and then all the unintended consequences just sort of show up because yeah, nice. then there was no way of you like knowing that in advance. Innovation entrepreneurship are exactly the same way, which is you. There is no definitive solution. And the, the fact, the problem, the fact that there's no definitive solution is really powerful. That's why you have, for the same customer job to be done, different kinds of products that manifest themselves in different kinds of ways, different kinds of value proposition. And that's why disruption is continuous and ongoing. Things that were successful last year are not successful anymore. It's solutions. I mean, think about like how iTunes disrupted the music business. And then how Spotify disrupted iTunes. Like yeah. just always like right. A, right. another level that, that you could go to. And things that don't have definitive solutions are hard to quantify in a definitive fashion. And so perfect. The, the numbers are always probabilistic. And the hardest thing for the human mind to wrap itself around is probabilistic thinking. We're so bad at that. Like right. we, we yeah, we think in linear ways. Exponential thinking is impossible for us to even wrap our heads around. Yeah, probabilistic thinking is even worse. And so, okay. if you don't tell me the story, I'm going to tell myself the story. And so, as an innovator, it's your job to really be good at storytelling. But if you're not great, if but once you enter the realm of storytelling, you're now competing with charlatans and con men. And so. It's up to you to kind of decide how how you want how you want to practice. Yeah, it's tough. Like uh, this was like if you don't tell the story, the other person will tell a story around what they perceive. Right? This is a, this is really interesting. Yeah, I'm happy to share. Like, uh, sort of when I started out and had my first startup, I like looking mm-hmm. back, it's like it just felt I I felt a sense of guilt merely, right? Because like the stories I told were so wacky, and like you know, and I was completely convinced. It's not like I was you know. Like I was convinced that I wanted to be convinced, you know, I wanted to be successful and whatever, all these, all these things, right? Like everything you see around, so or that I think I see today with many others, right? I might be wrong, yeah. but, yeah. and then basically did it again, even worse in a sense, because then I read like the lean startup and I thought, oh, this is the Holy grail. Like we can do this like more objectively. And if something goes wrong, I can be okay about it because, you know, at least my co-founder and every, everybody who works on this, they know what we're in for. And then mm-hmm. we didn't do that very well, you know, <laughs> like, like, you yeah. know, but we like still went after what was more fun and building and dreaming up and writing plans. Like I had a 40 page business plan. While doing the lean startup. No, that was before. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you know, yeah. Could have happened. Could have happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was bad. It was bad, right? So, so I think that's where a lot of my biases come from, and 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 mm-hmm. my sort of, or maybe where I would like to see things going, you know. Um, and I'm pretty sure some of it is unhelpful. You know what I mean? Anyway, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that needs to I be mean, recognized to... in oneself, no? Yeah, 
Yeah, well, we're trying to use evidence to make decisions. Right. When it comes to investment decisions, right? We're trying to use evidence to make decisions. The the thing that's hidden from us is the quality of the evidence because we weren't there when the experiments were being run. And the thing that's kind of hidden from us as well. As an investment decision maker right now, as like an innovation yes. board or so. Yeah, okay. Thank you. An innovation, innovation board or even a, a, a venture capital fund. So, what, so what's hidden from us is, is the quality of that evidence. The moment that we know that something is really going to do well is, um, is when they get their first customer or when people start signing up. Uh, and starting to perform behaviors with the product. Then we start to get real human behavior data, like retention levels, uh, uh, drop-off levels, um, right. time spent with product, uh, uh, um, repeat purchasing, right. um, cost of acquisition, all of that data starts to show up in, in the moment where we start engaging directly with customer, with customer behaviors. Um, but prior to that, the decisions we're making are based on stories. Prior to that moment, because you, if you're investing in an early stage startup, you give them 50 grand. But even right. afterwards, things are like, let's be honest, like even afterwards, there are massive stories told with tons of revenue still. Yeah. All right. Like think about the, the famous examples, even after IPO. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's not quite the topic, but you know, I think storytelling yes. goes on. Like we're a tech company. We're not a real estate company, you know. <laughs> naming any names right now. Yes. Like, you know, I, I, love, I love that we're, one. That's we're really? Yes. You're renting out office spaces. Like yes. X. Yeah. Yes. Right? So that's so that's an interesting use of storytelling, which is not what we're encouraging here no we're not right so what so we are encouraging i think what we're may i try so i think what we're encouraging partly also is like like the whole thing is hard to begin with so i'm just trying to shift so uh, so what yeah so entrepreneurship entrepreneurship is hard right and so you you you're looking for you know you're looking for a bit of energy there and you know to keep to keep going, you know, you're not getting rewarded by, you know, Friday afternoon KPIs and, uh, you know, anything traditional. So uh, the team needs to, you know, you need a certain team culture. You, you need to also, you know, you need to be vulnerable as well, but also you need to be a bit enthusiastic about this whole thing, right? As much yes. as I'm, yes. I appreciate yes. data, at least, I'm really by far not the best scientist in the world, but, but you know, by far not, but, you know, just have a deep appreciation for it. Um, but also for the, and maybe because I like people and I like the way people and how they work together, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess there's a lot of value for sure, you know, in, yeah. in, in, in the ability to even drive any of these super hard projects that are likely to fail, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That would be mm -hmm. one that would be clearly a positive <laughs> if the person yeah. telling the story doesn't have any <laughs> like bad motivations. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, you're, so. So regulating stories, right? I think you coined that term in our last catch up, like data driven storytelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, data driven storytelling. Yeah. But here's okay. what's interesting, right, Elijah? You know that in scientific, sorry, here's what's interesting, Leah. In, 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 in scientific publishing, 
there's a peer review process yeah. where whatever you submit goes to three different scientists who read it, review it, and then approve it for publication. Yes. It has happened and it's been known where certain academics have lost their jobs for faking the data. Oh, yeah. I would have shown. So, yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. And it, and it and so they fake the data. It goes through peer review, and it comes out on the other side. Yeah. Right. Because again, and I keep picking on the Monte Carlo simulation, but it's just a it's just an example. Yeah. No, the, the Monte Carlo simulation will only simulate the inputs. Yeah. Right. So it's up to the person, the integrity of the person putting in the inputs. Yeah. To make sure that the inputs are correct. Yeah. So yeah. you so you can run a con without telling stories because you can fake the data and you can run a con without data by just telling stories or you can run a con with the data but deliberately misinterpret it yeah. for the audience. So there's no like escaping this. Great. There's no like place where you're going to go where human beings are having a conversation and trying to make critical decisions where ultimately they don't summarize it in, 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 into a story. Yesterday, as we were working with a large manufacturing company. We just finished the, the, the innovation sprint with 12 teams. So the teams were pitching to leadership. So they'd pitch on Zoom. And then afterwards, we would go to a breakout room with the leaders and the leaders would score the idea and make decisions about whether or not it's, 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 it's going to go forward. And here's what, they, here's what they would do. They would go in there and they'd summarize what they heard. And what the way they were summarizing it was a story. So they'd go in there and go, oh yeah, so with this one, it looks like they tried to find this out, but then they didn't find it out. So they're asking us to do this, right? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, cool. So now we all agree on the story. Let's score. <laughs> Great. They didn't like score <laughs> scientifically. And then, right? What I find interesting, you said you did forensic. Did you do forensic psychology? Yeah, forensic psychology, yes. Yeah. What about forensic innovation accounting, right? So so what about the... So I'm telling a good story, finally. <laughs> That's a good metaphor. That's a really good metaphor. Okay, so how would that work? It's only a how metaphor, not a story. So, right, but yeah. is it is it is it is the issue maybe just the, the inability to to judge those type of things? Like you know, companies have a lot, of, like tons of clever people who are able to judge traditional modeling. Right, they have accountants, and they have, they have even people who do the put do to do the data entry. Right, mm -hmm. bookkeepers. I don't know. Maybe I'm going way too far here, but that's 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 sort of my vision. So they're they're bookies. They're people who who do the data entry. They're people who know how to handle the data, right? And sure, there's error. There will be error. The question is, is it better yes. or not? And and then just the story, maybe combined with an artifact that is just designed to make the story better, right? So so that that's sort of, and I don't know. So right? and and. So, so, so let me ask you a different question then. Because it's now me. You're getting interviewed. No, 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 so what are you, well, what's, what's your point of view on the use of qualitative data in customer discovery? It, yeah, okay. So, so that's 
some of the most valuable stuff we can do in terms of gaining more certainty uh, around certain topics. Um, I think it's tremendously difficult to do well. So I've got two things. So so two answers, right? So number one, so I studied psychology a tiny bit, like like three percent of what you did, right? And and we went through question design designing some questions and things like that. And you know what they go through and try to get any good data out. And we don't need data that are that good and that certain, right? Because in the absence of a lot of data, a little bit is worth quite a lot. So but still the the bias in the design of the questions to begin with is tremendous so that's super dangerous and tricky number one like i think um and then qual and quant tristan said it so nicely they don't really live uh in opposition but side by side right so to take a monte carlo simulation so like if if you're very uncertain <laughs> I have a comedy show now. So if you take a, if you take a, <laughs> could laugh this one out now, yeah. right? So if you take a Monte Carlo simulation and you, you, you know, you have you have no idea around um, anywhere between one and ninety nine of these hundred people are interested, are interested, and then you do a few interviews, and you know your confidence interval shrinks down to ten to ninety, then you have a quantified output of that. That is not necessary all the time. I don't I don't think you need you always need these early simulations, right? Like especially if, if you can't do it really quickly and well. But um if if you can, it's good. I'm not saying it's I'm contradicting myself quickly. So if if you are able to to whip up a, a simulation a, a model quickly, that's probably good. Yeah. Um does that so answer the question? A, Was that the question or not? You know. Yes. Yeah. So that's the. So I don't want to hide so, away so, from so it. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 That's yeah. no. No. That's perfect. So, so then the simulation becomes the data analysis tool. The outputs of the simulation become the the results. The results then need to be presented to a decision yeah. maker. Yes. 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 And, and it's, part it, right? it's part of it. It's what part you, of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But what if your storytelling sucks? That's there you go. There yeah. you go. Like you have to find a simulation, and you're like, you know, like you, you know, the best, like you know, somebody. A good idea, just a good idea. It doesn't matter what kind of human being. Like, it's just a good idea, done right, and probably better than the next one. Like at least from a data perspective, right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that person will lose in in any traditional environment. So I'm with you. I don't yeah. like it. I don't we, like it. We, but so yeah, where are we? Where are we not in a traditional environment? And here's the reason why we're never in a traditional environment, no matter what, is because it's human beings making these decisions. Unless you're going to tell me that we put the data in the Monte Carlo simulation, and whatever the simulation says, we do. I don't know. Like, is, no is more that, human beings allowed. Why don't we? Why don't we test that, Tendai? Right. So why don't we right. <laughs> test that? So, like, you know, like say we make decisions based like um, whatever the simulation spits like, out. That's where we, that's where we put the money. No discussion. Wouldn't, wouldn't you recommend? Wouldn't you also recommend? Like in this, like I, I find this as a solution quite nice. Where you go, <clears throat> investment boards. That it can be a story. I think Amazon also does a story. 
uh, they, they have they want everything in story form so it could even be a story but you know maybe in written form mm -hmm. you know together with some data if they're there mm -hmm. and after that has been digested maybe bring people and ask some questions like that seems to be like a good middle ground for example yes but that still gets us this emotional emotive human interaction based storytelling decision making the easiest way is just to say get a bookkeeper when a team is done with the experiments they bring the data to the bookkeeper the bookkeeper analyzes the data inputs it into the under color simulation and what the simulation spits out is what we how we make decisions Yeah, I want to, it's probably not enough, right? If we're honest, like, you know, think about like the Monte Carlo simulation is probably not going to tell you that, hey, there's no hell, there's no way in hell that this is going to get over the line because it's illegal or something, right? Um, or, no, but hold on, hold on, hold on. That's even, that's it. That's okay. Because we, we could get to that, right? But you can be wrong. <laughs> you can be wrong in the sense that the data is, the, the inputs are wrong. Yeah, the yeah. way the data was collected is wrong. The way the landing page people will jinx it. You are right. People will <laughs> jinx it. Yeah. People yeah. will jinx. No, no, not even people will jinx it, but even people with the best intentions, they will still be wrong. It, like, you have no idea. In my PhD, I would get frustrated. I would run the same experiment twice on students, and it would produce completely different data. Okay. Random samples. On one sample is statistically okay. significant, on another one it isn't. You're like, right. what the hell just happened? Right. And so that's why, and that, so that's why in social science they have a, they have a technique they call meta-analysis, which is on yeah. a particular topic. Yeah. They then mm -hmm. gather all the yeah. papers that have been published on that, and then they combine all that data because now yeah. it's a big enough sample and enough variation instead of to see exactly what what the patterns are. We don't get a chance to do meta-analysis on investment decision making on a particular project. Not, we get to go it. with yeah. exactly. We get to go with the experiment that's just been run the landing that a b test that's just been run the the and and then the question is you know was the sampling correct was the did you really target the right customer sure okay 100%, let's, say you, 100%, let's say you think 100%, you let's say you think you, you targeted the right customer what if and this is one of my favorite visuals from from eric reese right you optimize for the for the lower hill Uh huh. While missing the bigger hill. Uh huh. Uh huh. And the the local mm -hmm. maxima. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with the problem of the local maxima mm -hmm. when all the data in the Monte Carlo simulation is saying mm -hmm. absolutely, 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 absolutely mm -hmm. within the range of 10 to 90? That's bad. <laughs> that's bad sampling, though, right? Yeah, it is bad sampling, but the Monte Carlo simulation doesn't tell you that you did bad sampling. It works. No, with the it data doesn't. No, got. it doesn't. It's it's the system behind it that collects all the report cards, and somebody's able to, you know, it's able to me. digest that's, that. It's yeah. it's me that says, "Why are you talking to innovators in Mexico when right. I was in Spain? I right. saw dot dot dot." It's me that breaks the local maxima, not the Monte Carlo simulation. Right, and, and so the, the quality of analysis is as good as the inputs, and the quality of the inputs is determined by human conversation. Some inputs. Uh, the quality of every input, the quality of a, of, a, of a sampling exercise, the quality of the, the 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 size of the sample, the quality of the instrument that's been used to measure, 
all of that is determined by human conversation. Like it's it's the review of that that says, ah, okay, why are you asking you. that question? Right, okay, That's a on, leading yeah. question. Why are you using that instrument? That instrument's got noise. Please clean the beaker and heat it up before you add the dot, dot, dot. Right. Those are all human behavioral practices. Right. Once, you, once that data is then gathered and put into the analysis tool, that's lost. We won't ever know from looking at the data what the quality of the collection was. So if we allow just the simulation to make decisions, we lose okay. the ability okay. to review. Okay, so right. this is good. So so perfect. Okay, one hundred percent. I have to finish. So because because there's always a need for human review, you need to be really good at evidence based storytelling in order to allow those conversations to flow well. This has been so. This is this has been so good for me. Thank you, Tendai. Uh, we're running out of time. I think we need to need to close it down now. So thank you so much. Thank you for. Thank you for the spar. Thank you for helping me to challenge my thoughts more than anything. And I'm sh I'm sure I'm sure this has been interesting. And I'm sure other people also had to challenge some of their thoughts. And you know, that's what we want to provide. Please find all of the links in the show notes, uh, links to Tendai, to Tendai's work, uh, to everything we referenced, and to in order to uh, to get in touch with Tendai as well. Everything will be provided in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tendai. Thank you, Leah. It was awesome. Thank you very much.